Hey, good people, this is Sherry and I, Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I am starting off with faith. Faith. And in the Christian text, um, the Christian Bible, or the Bible, that's redundant to say the Christian Bible because the Bible is Christian text. Um, there's a scripture, Hebrews 11 and 1, that says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. This reflection is kind of a part two to the one that I just uploaded uh, that I entitled The Sum Total. The sum total. And in that reflection, I was talking about um, making decisions, single-based decisions in my past, and now needing to make some total, a sum total decision. A decision that's going to benefit, mutually benefit. I said simultaneously, but I really should have said mutually. It's going to mutually benefit all the domains of my life. And I've never done that before. I've, I, I mutually meaning equally and simultaneously <laughs> benefiting all the domains in my life. In the past, I've made decisions that would benefit other domains of my life as a res- residual effect, as a residual effect, but not as a, Mutual, you know, inclusion, inclusive effect. Anyway, go check that out because <laughs> I, I said it better in that hour and maybe 10 minute reflection. Um, also in a season, um, wrapping up season, um, wrapping up season four to start before I go dark in July. I'm wrapping up season four this June. Um, a, a really, really difficult a season as it relates to work. Um, the whole year has been helpful. The last three years have been helpful, meaningful, impactful. But the last season from February has been very difficult. And so you guys have been riding that journey with me. Um... And I'm pretty sure that that is complicated by the death of my father in September and then his sister passing away in April. So I'm pretty sure it's just, it's just been a difficult, difficult year, an impactful year. But I'm moving forward, making a decision uh, to have a sum total lifestyle, a sum total lifestyle, and to um, make uh, some decisions that will benefit all domains of my life and stop prioritizing some domains and suffering in others, to stop prioritizing some domains and suffering in others. And that's still difficult for me. 
because uh, I still need to figure out those domains. I think I have the domains figured out, but I got to figure out what I want in each of those domains. So I can't make a sum total decision without fully knowing what the sum is, right? What is the sum total? I got to figure that out. Um, and so I say that knowing that how I answer that question is going to be different as an NI DOM versus if I was an SI DOM. I think if, um, and this is something that other INTJs may not agree with. I'd be curious to know what another INTJ thinks. But as an NI DOM, I am not going to fully script out what it is that I want. I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to have to intuitively move my way in that direction. So I can have an aim and a goal and I can even even have objectives getting towards that aim. But in terms of the deep truth, I don't fully know that that's in, I have to intuit, intuit my way there. If you're an INTJ and you're hearing that, will you let me know how that sounds? Because I don't hear INTJs talk like that. You know, usually, I know, I'm, I'm very aims, goals, and objectives. I have an aim, set goals, have clear objectives. And that's true. But as I'm going about those objectives, I'm learning still. I'm learning, learning and I'm calibrating. And I think sometimes, maybe the difference, maybe the difference is that sometimes we, as NI DOMs, we will wait until we have completely intuited the thing. And then we lock it in. Um, and I, I do that to some extent. But for, but as I've gotten older and more mature and savvy and confident, I'm, I, I decide into it. Decide and I'm intuiting and I'm collaborating. Um, um, I am calibrating along the way. But that's not completely true because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking because there is um, the mastermind, the thing that I have been masterminding. And sometimes, you know, I go so far in my movement and then I have to pause because I can't take any more action until I, until I know what it is that I'm doing. That's the difference between the INTJ and the ENTJ. The ENTJ is going to act and then put meaning to those actions. We have to have meaning first. We have to have knowing first and as INTJs, and then we act. And so I act out what I know until I don't know, and then I pause. Uh, well, because I've been spending most of my life in a particular domain, a different area, there I have a lot of knowledge about it already. But I have hit a point where I don't have the knowledge, and it's really testing me. So anyway, the test is requiring me to look at faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, hope for, and the evidence of things unseen. So I'm going to talk a little bit about faith. If you are new to this project, I'm going to do some disclaimers. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you that this is not a project, a, uh, a project about spirituality or religion. It's not at all. I'm not what's called proselytizing and I'm not evangelizing, but I am in a place in my journey that is requiring me to move into to move more into my spirituality and my faith and because this is a project where i am talking out loud my lived reality 
then it's if as I confront some difficult choices that I have to make and I have to lean into faith and spirituality more, you guys are going to get it. But it does not mean I'm proselytizing to you. You still do you. And I'm going to do me. And if, it not, and if me doing me benefits you in any capacity, even if it's like, that's a dumb thing to do, <laughs> then that's why I'm doing it out loud. So that my living my truth out loud will inspire other people to live their truth. That is the benefit of doing this out loud. I mean, there's some other benefits for me, but that's one of them to help you. That's where I sound like a type one in the Enneagram, where I try to model. I'm modeling something, okay? But I'm not giving you something specific to model other than lean into your truth. And my truth in this season is requiring me to take a look at faith, and I want to share with you what that means for me as a person that does not, that doesn't really like religion. As a person that has had a strong background in atheism and a person that is not going to church and I need to find a church. <laughs> so I really want to encourage you that this is not about any kind of evangel- uh, evangelism or proselytizing. Okay. This is just me working some stuff out. And I'm right now needing to confront an issue of faith. All right. So I'm going to continue that reflection on the side of this disclaimers. If you're to, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist. Half of that time has been in leadership. This project is unedited and unscripted <laughs> and if you want to know more you can go to my website at yourinidom.wordpress.com i was trying to do it all under 10 minutes i skipped the disclaimer about being a critical race feminist you have to go to other episodes if you need to hear that i was trying to do it all in 10 minutes because i've been doing pretty good this season is keeping it um definitely under 15 minutes under the 15 minute mark there were times I wouldn't do that disclaimer until minute 30. And it was like ridiculous as one of my followers emailed me like, that might be a little disjointed. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, um, so faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things unseen. I want to just tell you a little storytelling um, about, hold on. Um, I'm not going to pick up where I, I'm picking up where I left off in the previous reflection because I'm still recording on a Sunday and it's been a long time since I did two back to uh, back to back reflections. Usually this is what happens when I start getting to the end of the season and I have to start kicking them out, <laughs> but I don't want to hit the record button unless I have something to share. And I genuinely need to, I do, I'm, I need to share this reflection because, um, it, um, I didn't finish it in the sum total. Uh, piece. The sum total piece, I was dealing with a number three on my list, the path of least resistance. And just talking about in the past how I've made single based decisions because it was a, it was the path of least resistance. And I talked a little bit about how as humans, we prefer, and I'm reading from a text, we humans prefer the least effortful method of processing and assimilating information. And I'm going to even say, 
that lends into also taking action. That we want, we prefer the least effort for a method, method of taking action. Um, that's just our human nature. And so I have made single-based decisions that appear to have been the least effortful, that made the most sense in terms of being efficient. And as an INTJ, that were effective. And there, it's no longer true. The model that I was using to making decisions no longer is the least efficient and the least effortful. It is actually not making sense. And so if you've been following this project, I mean, there have been a number of episodes. I mean, they're, it's all coming together as though I've mapped this season out and I didn't map the season out. But I know a year from now or two years from now, I'm going to be able to look at this season as a game changer for me. Because you can just go back and watch it unfold by the episodes that I've recorded. Me even going back to December, where I said when I was it was November, December when I realized I'm an an executive decision maker. That's not an understanding that I had of myself before. I know I've had executive decision making abilities in the past, but I didn't identify as an executive decision maker. That came to me in the, at the end of last year. I think another thing that has happened in the last, uh, in this season is that I am no longer questioning my leadership abilities. A year ago, there's a reflection that I did, I recorded where I said, I have a hard time saying that I'm a leader. That's a joke to me now, but that's, I remember saying that. I can, and it was hard to even say in my disclaimers, 30 years I've been doing this, half of that time has been in leadership. It was hard to even say that. I don't identify as being a leader. Not at all. I don't worry about that. This season has really helped me to do that because I've had some work and I, I've had a, I've had to take on a job where I've had to be in the nuance of what it means to be a leader. I mean, at multiple, intersections and to walk in that to embody it unapologetically without regret without intimidation I mean I'll tell you guys in a minute when I'm intimidated by something not this not leadership um, so that's another thing um, that has happened um, I think this year I was trying I got distracted by um, what I'm going to call the path of least resistance and thinking that if I can do, I was wondering if I could do a sum total by the path of least resistance. Uh, let me say it differently. I think this season I started questioning a sum total decision. I was questioning the sum total decision or a sum total being a sum total decision maker without using the term sum total. And I was thinking that I was going to be able to satisfy all the domains of my life by making some different decisions than I had been making. But I was making that decision on what I, what appeared to be the path of least resistance. 
And I would say that that, that is where I started the season and where I ended, I'm ending the season is that, that, oh man. Excuse me, I may have um, been muffled. Um, I think I put my finger over the mic, so I apologize for that. I am thinking um, that that, I, sorry you guys, I got a little distracted, but that that model doesn't work. So I don't want to un, really unpack each of the episodes that I've done other than to really reinforce that over this season, episode by episode by episode, I've come to this place that I have been trying to figure out how to make a sum total decision. And I have been trying to do it through the path of least resistance. But the path that I've chosen as the path of least resistance is because I'm lacking knowledge. I'm lacking knowledge. I'm lacking insight. I'm lacking in reinforcement. And in that lack, I'm choosing what I know to make a sum total decision. I'm choosing what I know to make a sum total decision and I'm choose I'm operating as it as human trying to take the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance is for me to walk in what I know. There it is. It's to walk in what I know. But like I said two episodes ago, I think it was in the either the overlap or the irrational. I think it was the irrational episode. I'm not sure. It's not good math. There was a time I was making decisions that wasn't good math, period. Then I moved into making decisions that was good math on paper. But it wasn't turning out that way. It can't turn out the decision the, the decision to work where I work. While it, it's good math on paper and it's making, meeting some basic needs, it does work that way. But then when I come home, I'm spending all this time emotionally contending with what I experienced. And I don't emotionally contend with things by crying it out because I'm not even aware of the emotion half the time. And if when I am, I don't even have the ability to sit and cry it out. It would be better for me if I could cry it out. No, what I do is I start analyzing it. I start analyzing the situation. I start strategizing the situation. I start trying to unpack. I start confronting. So I'm coming home doing more work. And then I spiral. It, it just wasn't, it was making good math on paper, but it's not good math. So I think all of that is this, I, all of that is really pushing me to Talk about the unseen, the in the unseen part, and the irrational. And I've always I've said this to you guys before. I said it a lot last year in season two. I said it a lot. Faith is just not something. Spirituality is just not something I do out loud. I don't talk about it out loud because it's a very 
It's very irrational in my mind. It's very irrational. Spirituality is. Because you can't measure it. And it's not just that you can't measure it because that would make me a censor, right? Except I know a lot of censors who are who are very religious. That doesn't mean that they're spiritual. But I think it's also because I can't connect to a public standard on spirituality. There's no collective, unified, tested, true marker of what spirituality is. And that TE part of me needs that collective standard. So I, I don't have it. Then it be, so I, it's private. It's, I do it inwardly. But this thing, this, this thing that I'm trying to do, it's not working. It's just not, it's not working. And that's, that's, and I'm not being hyperbolic about it. It's just not working. And then if I wanted to look at, you know, I'm talking about, yes, I want to buy my large thing, um, large packet of toilet paper, which I went to the store yesterday to buy a, a large pack and they had a larger pack, larger than the four rolls. I think there were 16 rolls in this pack. And I was like, no, I want the large pack. <laughs> I've suffered enough in this job to be able to afford the largest pack of toilet paper. And they didn't, they had, they were all out of it. So I was like, I'm not buying the 16 pack of toilet paper. I'm going to do the large pack. So anyway, I thought that was funny. And that's important. Like I've talked, I've laughed and joked about the toilet paper, but it's real. But while I'm buying that large pack of toilet paper, I'm not eating in healthy ways. I'm not spending my money appropriately. And um, I'm not, I'm not the best version of me. So it's not good math. Just because it's good math on paper doesn't mean it's good math. Right? And it's not a sum total. I have not reached the sum total yet, even though I have become conscious where I've been making the effort. And I truly believe that the sum total me requires the irrational. And that's so hard, you guys. That is so hard for me. It's hard for me to say it to myself and especially hard for me to say it out loud. And as a person that has journeyed in and out of being a believer, believing, believing that there's a force that's greater than us, that, um, it's just, it's, I've had a journey in that. Now where I'm at today is I'm okay. I, I'm okay with saying there's a force that's greater than us. I think because I study quantum physics and I fully know that there's so many mysteries of the physical world. There are too many mysteries of the physical world for us to say without a doubt that there is no greater force, that there's no great force out there. Now, is that great force God? Is that great force? Is there a heaven or hell? Oh boy. Is that great force say that we should, we should rest on Sunday? You get what I'm saying? Like I, that's where it gets complicated for me. But I'm at a place where I'm okay with that complication. 
There was a time where cog- that, that complication created cognitive dissonance and there was no way for me to close the gap. And so it, it, it paralyzed me in terms of my spirituality. I don't, I'm not paralyzed anymore. It does mean that I don't talk it out loud with people who make it more complicated. People who are more religious, I don't have this conversation with them. Because they don't do anything in the cognitive distance, but burden it. And then it paralyzes me. So I know, and I've been wanting to get back to, I've, I keep saying I want to get back to a place of spirituality, but in the last two weeks, I've challenged that. Or actually in the last week, I've challenged this notion of going back to spirituality in my past because I don't want to live as an SI person, introverted sensing, as though what worked in the past is what's going to work in the future. That's not how I do that. That's not how I live. There might be things in the past that will work, but SI people give precedence to the past. They give precedence to it. They value it more. That's just not how I roll. I give more value to what is to come than I give value to what has been as an NI Dom. Now, as an NI Dom, I can move in all direction of time. But I value what's to come because I'm an innovator. I want to give birth to something new. I want to move into newness. And in that, I can't talk about going to a, a previous construction of spirituality and faith. But there was a time in my life past where I had a, a strong metaphysical relationship to the unknown. Strong. And that is a nugget I will hold on to as a pattern. Not because someone has told me it's true, because I have experienced the pattern, a metaphysical pattern of standing on a truth and it manifesting. Standing on a truth before I'm gonna get in, I might get a little emotion, y'all, so just bear with me. Standing on a truth before it become before it is physical. And then it manifests. I have that as a pattern. Now, my old brain that was an atheist for 10 years, that there was 10 years of my life where I identified as an atheist. Some people would say, you really weren't an atheist. Maybe I weren't, maybe. But for me, you know how I feel about being able to have agency over one's own identity. I identified as an atheist. I just could not see this whole God construct. And if you couldn't measure it, if you couldn't, yeah, measure it, just I just couldn't see it. But as I was explaining to somebody yesterday, that's my relationship to the divine, to this force, right? I have a relationship to this force that even though I needed evidence and faith is the evidence of the unseen, it's the substance of it. You don't have it, supposedly. Then people go, that's not faith. You got to just believe. You just have to believe. And I'm like, okay, what am I believing in? And, you know, that's not how it works. That's what we say. That's not how faith works. And then I would struggle. I was like, well, then I don't have faith. 
And then I believe the spirit, the force was took me to a scripture. I don't know where this is at in the Bible that you only need the faith, the size of a mustard seed and don't compare your level of faith to somebody who has this large faith. You don't have to compare yourself to that. You don't even need that much faith. Man, you do you know how the side of you know the size of a mustard seed? Man, that's all I need? Okay, well I got that. <laughs> that's how I had to rationalize my faith. As coming from a space of being an unbeliever, that even though I was walking in moving into a place of being a believer, I still didn't have a lot of faith. And I believe the divine said to me or laid up, gave me an impression. You don't need, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need a mustard seed. And I've been on, I've taken that and I've had evidence after evidence after evidence that, that faith, that, that faith works. Um, But I've hit a season where I don't operate like that. I've hit a season where I'm operating off of my own faith in me. Faith in my ability, my individual ability to get my needs met. I've been in that season for three years. And I'm like, why? And I think, oh, I do, I do. I, 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 I talk a lot about that relationship because it was a pivotal, it was a significant moment of my life, a significant time of my life. And in that relationship, I lost myself. I lost my ability to take care of myself. So I think post-relationship, I've put a lot of emphasis on the self, on me, to prove that I can do it, that I can take care of myself. And I can. And I've proven that. But in order for me to have a sum total lifestyle, I have to be able to have access to the gifts that God has given me or the universe has given me or the force if you will, the force is giving you, may the force be with you. <laughs> um, but that's only part of the equation. Okay. It's, I'm, this is coming. This is really good for me. I'm having a, a, a breakthrough right now. That's only part of the equation. The other part of the equation is faith. It's the unseen. And in order for me it's, it's my spiritual side, the irrational side. <laughs> and in, there is a scripture that says, faith without works is dead. And I think that's, I don't know, that's, I don't know where that scripture is at in the Bible. Um, and usually I can pause and go get it, but I don't want to, I just really don't think it's that significant. You can Google it to find out where it's at. Faith without works is dead. There's, I believe that's in the Bible. About 95% sure. And what I take that to mean, particularly right now in this reflection, is that operating on faith still requires 
action on my part of the self being still being able to to be responsible to do my part it's an equation it just can't be because okay here oh my gosh I'm having some breakthrough right now. Okay. I don't know if this is going to... See, it's happening internally. I don't know. Once I find the words, I don't know if I'm going to be able to translate out to you what's happening for me internally. Let me try. So, let me... Let me... I want to hit... I want to... I'm having a moment on the idea of substance. And this... The idea of substance and the equation. I hope I don't lose this. I'm going to do a little storytelling and I hope I don't lose it. But if I do, when I come back and I listen to this, I will do another reflection to clean this part up. And I know I'm not always good at following through on what I say in the time that I say it. Just because I think I have to update um, some show notes on giftedness. Uh I think I have to do that. I just haven't had the time to do it Um, in terms of how much time I've relegated for this project. Okay, so let me do a little storytelling. A week ago, um, I, I, and I'm not going to tell you guys a lot about business, but my sum total requires me to have a different relationship with my business that I need to have. And I don't talk about the business. I talk about the job. And and I just don't feel comfortable talking that out loud yet. Uh, we'll see what will happen as I move into season five. But anyway, a week ago, I had a meeting with someone for the business. And um, and in that meeting, she was this, the lady I was meeting with had on um, uh, some faith-based uh, paraphernalia, something about God and and I was like, oh, I like that. I said, I like that shirt. I said, I'm, I told her a week ago, I told her, no, it was two weeks ago. And I told her, I said, um, I'm, at, I'm going through something in my life where I'm going to need to move. I keep saying back into my faith, but I don't, the challenge is that I don't want to go back and do faith for where I was living in the past. I need a new faith. To go into my future. So I I got to keep correcting myself. But anyway, that's what I told her. I need to get back into my faith. I've mm-hmm. since corrected that with myself. But what I told her two weeks ago, I said, I need to get back into my faith. And I need to get back into my spirituality. I said, it probably would help if I had things around me to remind me. I was like, I like that shirt. Where did you get that shirt from? And then she told me. I was like, okay. And that was all. I also told her, and I'm looking at this now, when my dad was, um, three months before my dad died, he, uh, I don't want to, oh Lord, I just want to go, I don't want to go there. Oh, he was in, he was at the hospital to get chemo, a treatment, and they had these bracelets that were thematic. I think I've mentioned this to you before. And it was free, but you had to put together the bracelet. So I picked up mine, my sister picked up one, and I picked up one, and I think my sister's was hope. I think my sister picked up hope, and I picked up the one that said joy. My sister has since put her bracelet together, and she wears it. I have it. 
And um, I think the reason why I haven't done it is because it would just make that complete. And I'm not ready to make that time, you know, that time at the hospital with my dad. I don't want to do that. I'm not yet ready. So it's sitting on my, it's sitting on one of my cabinets right now. I'm looking at it. And it says hope. Excuse me, it says joy. And so having something like that around you to remind you of things that you deeply believe in. And we can hold these deep beliefs and then we can get distracted by life. Life can come and start competing with us in terms of what we value, what we're committed to. So it's just good sometimes to have reminders. I have reminders taped up on the wall. So that even when I'm not conscious, I'm unconsciously or subconsciously pulling in my truth because I'm pulling that data in. This is something I've been doing for over about 15 years on my walls, but I've never used my body in that way. So as a classroom teacher, we put things up on the wall so we can remind our students at this time, we're going to go to lunch at this time. We're going to read this time. Right. Then I did that. And in my house, I started taping things up like truths and my commitments. I would write them down. I just tape them on the walls. You come to my house, you know, I don't have as much on my walls now as I did before. <laughs> Sometimes I've been through phases where I like will almost wallpaper an entire wall of things that are, I just, that I need, that are important to me and I just need to see them outside of my head. But I've never done that with my body. And I, when I was sitting across the table from, um, this young, this lady, yes, this young lady, um, She, um, she, um, I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted. Something just in my brain distracted me. She had the shirt on. There you go. She had the shirt on. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have that. And it was like telling her, I was like, I think I need that. I think I'm going through a phase where I need to get back into my faith into my spirituality, and I need to have some reminders on my, I'm wearing that shirt would help. So that was two weeks ago. Well, I met with her yesterday as part of this work that when I, that I'm bring I'm trying to bring her in for the business. Okay. And so I met with her yesterday. We were talking about 30 minutes into our meeting. She, she jumped. She was like, oh. and she went digging through her purse and she pulled out a little pink clear bag that had a necklace in it. She said, this is for you. I was like, what is it? And it was a necklace that says faith. Oh boy. And I just like, whoa. <laughs> she said, you said you needed, you said you needed something. And she said, I had this in my jewelry box and I'm not using it. So I'm giving it to you. Wasn't that nice? That was such a nice thing for her to do. So I've had her put it on and I've had this on my body now for, I hope I can keep it on. I gotta go find out. I don't know what kind of necklace it is, but I'm gonna have to, cause I couldn't put it on myself. So I'm gonna have to really work to put it on and off so I can wear it. And, uh, so I have on my neck right now the word faith. <laughs> so that was yesterday at about, mm, I would say about nine o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, she gave this necklace to me. At about two or three yesterday, the scripture of faith came up. I was walking in my living room and all of a sudden, I think I touched the necklace and then the scripture popped in my head. 
And all I could get initially was, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's the rest of that scripture? What's the rest of the scripture? I was so mad at myself because I should know that scripture. So I then went to Google it. I Googled it. And there was the faith of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And I couldn't even tell you at the time what the scripture was. But it's Hebrews 11, chapter Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I didn't know that yesterday. I had to go look it up. And so it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. And for whatever reason, as I was reading that scripture, the first time ever, I've seen it. It's not the first time I've ever read it. But for the first time, it hit me in a completely different way. I've always understood faith to be a belief. To have faith is to believe. And I, I'm not saying it's not. I, I'm not because I had this talk with my mom last night. So, my, I, I shared, I shared in a group text with my mom, my sister, and my two aunts and my uncle. My aunt is a pastor. My uncle's a pastor, and my, and then so I and my mother is a is a reverend. So I have three preachers in this group, and then my sister and my aunt are into really into church. So for me, the person that's not going to church to pop into that group and say, hey, you guys, I just read chapters 11, Hebrews 11, uh, one, verse 1, and I'm seeing it differently. Was a, That was intimidating for me because I don't know scripture technically the way they know it. But my mother reminds me, I'm reminded, I do know scripture because in the past, when I got out of that season of atheism, I went into... 10 years of what would be considered fundamentalist Christianity. So I was, there was a, I mean, I was in it deep, y'all. <laughs> I was in it like, um, a woman doesn't cut her hair. A woman doesn't wear pants. A woman doesn't wear makeup. Like I was going to churches that had a very fundamentalist approach to Christianity. Um, and in that time, I was consuming a lot of scriptures, hearing it and reading it and studying it. And so I have it in me. I just don't, that's not how I live anymore. But the scriptures are in me. Most of, I mean, most of the time I can recall them, right? So I wanted to share with somebody, oh, I'm reading this scripture that I've read before, but I see it differently. And I don't have anybody to share that with because I don't have friends in that world anymore because I'm not moving in those circles. I'm not moving in church circles right now. I'm not moving in religious circles. And the only people I could go to to talk about this new interpretation of this scripture was to go to my family because they're actively church. And like I told them this morning, I'm going to people who I know love God and who love me. So just hopefully you can support me as I, as I share this. So anyway, I just, I didn't tell them the interpretation of that. I just said, Hey, I had a different interpretation. So my aunt, my, 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 my aunt that's not a pastor and my sister and my mom called me yesterday evening. They all wanted to know what it was. And I was like, I can tell you what the, the meaning was for me, but it's, I don't think it's provocative. I don't think it's really that profound. It's just different. And so I was intimidated to share because I'm like, I didn't want them to, like, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not a preacher. I'm not going to be able to give that to you like that. I can just only tell you how I heard it differently. So anyway, what I said was I always have heard that scripture as a belief. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I've heard that as a belief system, that you have to believe in it. And I, I think that that is true. But what I heard yesterday was more metaphysical than anything else. What I saw yesterday, the impression that was on me yesterday as I read that scripture was different. It was metaphysical. And what I mean by metaphysical is this. I think, I think I'm saying it right when I say metaphysical. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of the thing you're hoping for. So hope is there, right? But it's the substance of what you're hoping for. It is the thing. It is the, it's the, it's a noun. It's not believe, it's not believing, it's a noun. It's, I guess belief is a noun too, right? Oh God, I'm going to have to break that down. But it is the object. There it is. It is the object of the thing that you're hoping for. And it's the evidence of things unseen. So for me, that means just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I don't know why that's, that just feels different to me. That feels different to me. It is the evidence of things unseen. You, so when you say something is unseen, you're, you are by default saying it is a thing that you just don't see. It doesn't mean that it's not there. When something is unseen, that doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't exist. It just means you can't see it. But if you can't see it by nature or by default, it means it exists. It means it exists. So the evidence of things un, unseen means it already is. It's, it's, the evidence is that it's there already. It's the substance. It is the thing that already is. It already is there. That's that's what I it's that's what I got from yesterday when I went and read that scripture. Now spirituality is irrational, y'all. This is why I don't like to share it because you listening to me could be well very well saying that makes zero sense. This lady is weird. That makes zero sense, and I'm I'm here for that. I get it. As a rational thinker, I'm with you. That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. But remember, I am taxed. I am taxed out in the rational. In the math that makes sense on paper, but it's not making sense in my life. It's just not. That's not working for me. The rational piece that's making, that's supposed to make sense is not making sense. It's not working for me. And I'm all out of tricks. And so I have heard people say that spirit, uh, spirit, uh, faith and spirituality is for people who don't have much, 
Well, okay. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. I'm not going to fight that. That is true. And I told my sister yesterday, I said, sometimes I had her laugh and I said, well, I guess if God wanted me to spend more time with God, this would be the way to do it. To get me to a place where I'm all out of tricks. I've hit the end of the internet. I don't have anything else. I seriously don't have anything else. But what I know is I can't do what I've been doing for the next 15 years until I retire. I know for a fact I can't do that. And when I hit that reflection called the non-negotiable, that was another breakthrough for me. I can't do this. So if it means that I have to move from the rational to the irrational, I well, what I got? What do I have to lose? Because the rational at this rational decision, no, it's not. It's not working. So that's not any. It's not easy. It's not easy for me to say out loud. It's not easy for me to say to myself because the rational part of me is kind of like kicking and screaming right now. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And I think that's why that scripture, that's why that interpretation of the scripture yesterday was very helpful for me. It is the substance of thing hoped for. It is just the thing that I want. And it's the evidence of it that even though I can't see it, it is already there. It is a belief. It's a belief in believing that it's there if I can't see it. But to me, from yesterday, it's more than a belief. It is a metaphysical reality. And I'm a person that's dabbled in metaphysics about five, six years ago. I don't really spend any time studying it, so that's why I can't say anything more. But I know from quantum physics, there are things that are irrational in the physical world. That there are things, quantum physics says that matter is, um, mm, electrons are both matter and wave patterns. So they're both fixed and unfixed. That's, that's not rational. That, that defies our logic. An electron can be in one space and in every place at the same time. At the same time, go look it up. It becomes fixed when we measure it, when we look at it. It becomes fixed. But other than that, it's all over. It's in multiple places. That tells me that there are things that we know as rational. Excuse me, that there are things that we think as irrational that have yet to be determined as rational. So, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose to go into the irrational? What do I have to lose to say that the thing that I need, the sum total thing that I need, already exists? It already is. It already is. What do I have to lose? My sanity? Okay. 
I'm going to tell you this job is ta- uh, is competing for that against that. What do I have to lose? So I want to just go back to this text uh, from social psychology, and I'm going to close here. Of course, I'm going to go over an hour, but. Uh, schemas reduce, reduce, a schema reduces uncertainty and ambiguity. It is the substance. There is no need to be unclear about the thing that you need. It's not, it's not ambiguous. It is concrete. It is clear that some total decision is already available. It's because it's already formed. It's not a wondering. It's not ambiguous. It's not abstract. It is formed. Early in the formation of a schema of persons, groups, or events, we are more likely to pay attention to information that is inconsistent with our initial conceptions because we do not have much information. And that's true. And I think that's why I have to see that scripture as that. Because if I see it as the thing that I need is already evidence, then I become curious about a thing that already is. And then I set to to learn more about it. Because it already is. Anything that doesn't fit the schema surprises us and makes us take notice. That's true. And I think that's where I struggled with my business because there's so much information that competes against it. But that's because I have another schema that's confirming how I'm, okay, so there's a schema that is surrounding the schema of my business that's making the business unaccessible for me because there's information that I have collected that that's make that makes the business unaccessible or makes it difficult so I now need to accept that it the business the thing the sum and I'm I'm, I'm saying that through the business is the sum total and I'm going to continue to do the work so that I'm not just prioritizing the business, that the sum total isn't just the business. It isn't just the business. And that's, that's, that's something that I've, um, so in the non-negotiable, the, the non-negotiable episode that I did, I think the non-negotiable in that part was me not living with 65, with only 65% of my talents. That's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to do a job where I'm only using 65% of my talents. But I had a a clarity on that non-negotiable of the following week. And I always tell you guys, when I get to a place in these reflections and I have a breakthrough, I continue to meditate on it. And what I meditate, what I realized after I said, hey, it's a non-negotiable for me to work at only 65% of myself. Another non-negotiable was for me to live where I can't have toilet the big packets of toilet paper. Like, why don't you accept that as a non-negotiable? Why are you, why I have been treating the large package of toilet paper as though it's extra. That's a non-negotiable. 
And what did that do to me? For me to put those two things side by side. I will not work at under 65, uh, excuse me, excuse me, I will not work at only 65% of my talents. And I will not live where I cannot buy a big bundle of toilet paper. <laughs> I'm sticking with that, y'all, because I think it really, really is my truth. And those are two truths that I'm going to, they are, they're one. It's not either or. I, up until the last few weeks, have been treating those two truths truths as mutually exclusive. Am I saying that right? Mutually. Am I saying that right? As though they were separate. There were options. I couldn't have them both. And the non-negotiable is that I have to have all of it. And I don't feel like and where I'm at today, the sum total is saying, I'm going to make a decision because it all, that thing is already available to me to live a life where I can be at a place where I'm using all of my talents. I have the security in the physical world. I have all the resources that I need. And I have, and the third piece that I haven't said to you about, which is about my sum total lifestyle, is that I have a social life that's based on who I am as an INTJ woman. That kind of connects to the overlap, although I didn't linger there because I really want to do a little more studying. What does it mean for me as an INTJ to have a social life? I think when you listen to a lot of INTJs in the, in the internet, on the internet, they, they're so focused on how they don't, they're introvert. They don't focus and talk about how they do social, but because we're social beings, we all do social. We just do it differently as introverts. And I need to learn a little bit more about that. I need to have some role models. And so I think just to get back to this point, I need to collect information about the sum total truth in which I'm walking forward today in my new faith. That I, it's already formed and I'm going to continue to build information. I'm going to continue to collect information. I'm going to continue reading you guys. We tend to remember information that is consistent with the schema. Remembering schema consistent evidence is another example of cognitive miser at work, which means we fool ourselves to not believe something that doesn't fit an existing schema. If it doesn't fit an existing schema, we say it doesn't work. But that faith scripture says, it challenges the schema that I had by forcing me to accept another reality. The thing that I want already is. Humans prefer the least effortful, effortful method of processing and assimilating information. I've read that to you. It helps make a complex world simpler. If new information continually strongly suggests that a schema is wrong, the perceiver will change it. I am a perceiver. And I am saying the schema that I had that said that that business was not accessible to me because of this other schema, that's wrong. I declare that it's wrong as of today. I did it yesterday. And I don't know how it's going to work. But I know what ain't working already. I know what I've been doing is not working. I don't have anything to lose. I have nothing to lose to believe in the irrational. The what I don't have, what I can't see. 
to believe in the unseen. It's irrational for me to believe in the unseen, but I'm going to do it because it already is. Much of the time we're uncomfortable with schema inconsistent information. Yep, I'm going to sit with that discomfort. Every time I have to, every time I have to accept that the thing that I want already is, every time I'm uncomfortable, I am going to physically touch this faith necklace. If I don't have it on, I'm going to go and visual, visualize it faith and remind myself it's just unseen. Just because it's unseen does not mean it is not there. Often we reinterpret the information to fit with our schema, but sometimes we change the schema because we see that it is wrong. And as I get ready to close, what I'm saying is that the schema that I had before where I was making single-based decisions, where I was thinking either it's this or it's that, that's all wrong. Where I was saying the X variable, you have to go listen to the previous episode, is the way um, that will have a residual benefit on my total life. All of those were schemas that I declare today that were wrong. Listen, you guys, listen, this is my point. And because I am a social scientist and not religious, sometimes, I'm sorry, I have to repent, sometimes it's easier for me to to validate what comes out of these textbooks that I read from research than it is for me to validate what comes out of the Bible. I will be honest. That is my, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty. So I don't care. This is what I believe, why I do believe in, in spirit, because I feel that spirit has said, okay, well, she can't get it through the Bible. We're going to help her get it another way. Let's give her some of these textbooks because we know that this is the only way she's going to get it. I don't care how you get there. Get there, right? And so if this text, talking about the book, Social Psychology, and we all as humans, we build schemas of truth. We build it. Truth is constructed. And if a truth no longer serves you, then go construct a new truth. It's just that simple. If the truth that you had formed no longer serves you, build a new truth. That's the lesson for me. And I'm adding for me that it already is formed. I just need to continue to feed that truth, learn it, because that's how I, learning is my kind of, um, I don't know the word, it's my fuel, it ignites me, learn it, it already is my new truth. Already is. I don't need to wait for something magical. It already is. It's just waiting for me. To keep bringing in new information. Because that old model doesn't work. You guys I can't put a nice bow on this. I really want to just. Like say something with finality. Like bam. Like something provocative. That wraps it all up. But I don't have it. 
I don't have it. I want to continue to meditate on it. What I do have, and this is where I close. The old model doesn't work for you. Build a new model. That's what I'm telling myself. If you can take this, take it for yourself. My new model already is formed. It's just unseen. It was formed. I don't know when it was formed, but I feel like I've gotten closer to it. I still need to do some, I still need to do some diagramming and writing and researching so that it becomes clearer and clearer for me. But I think it was formed. I think it was formed when I accepted the non-negotiable as I'm not going to work in a job where I cannot use all of my talents. And I'm not going to live a life where I cannot afford to buy the large bundle of toilet paper. And that's when my new truth was formed. It's just unseen, but it's formed now, you guys. And now I will move forward based on that truth until it becomes visible. But it already is. It already is. It already is. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If my moving about in this conversation of the unseen, the irrational, (laughs) faith, if any of this relates to a conversation you've had in the world, will you please take this link and share it with those participants? The more of you who are like-minded who come to me, the more you encourage me. You encourage me when you're here. And as you share, it encourages me to be more me, to do that radical work of self, knowing that I'm in community with other people who get it. Somebody sent a tweet, a private message to me. I think it's the same person emailed me. I'm not sure, but nonetheless, sent me a a message and I'm not going to give it. But the one thing that I will say from that message was about something about my mind. They said something about my mind. And there's another scripture in the Bible that says about, oh my gosh, this is about faith. I think it's a scripture about faith. And it was about Peter. And I think Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And I think Peter says something about the son of the living God or something to this. I can't remember. I have to go look it up. But, um, and Jesus says, no one would have revealed that to you other than my father, other than God. You did not learn this truth from listening to other people. You learned this because only God revealed this to you. And on, and on this truth is where I'm going to build the church. I think it was faith just un- to know something outside of the rational knowing. So anyway, I'm connecting that to this to this message about my mind and this person. What they said they only could they only could know that if they understood they must have a similar mind. And I need I like that it helps me. 
because I do have a different mind. <laughs> I'm an introverted intuitive. <laughs> and so just sharing this, these reflections are helpful to like-minded people. Only share with like-minded people, please. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at youranidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, youranidom1, and Facebook and YouTube, youranidom. Let me give you your assignment. I'm going to make this real simple. The last two assignments, I've like part one, part two, part three. We're going to keep this one simple for this reflection. What's the one thing that you need in your life that you don't have it, but you need it? You desperately need it. Think about it. Imagine the one thing that you need. Like, think about it and imagine it. Imagine it as though it is already. See it. Look at all the dimensions of it. How does it look? How does it sound? How does it feel? If it has a taste, how does it taste? There's a smell. How does it smell? Imagine it in its fullness. And I'm going to tell you that in your imagination, if you work through those five senses of that thing, you have formed it. That thing is now real. It is. And now you have to accept that it's real and then begin to do your homework to learn about it as it already is. I invite you to do that with me because I'm going to be doing it. It already is. I might need to learn more because that's my engine, whatever your engine is to it. But you don't have to wonder about it. I'm going to believe that today. I'm going to stand on the irrational side of me and I'm going to believe it. Today, I invite you to do that with me. That thing that you desperately need, it already is. It's already formed. It is the evidence of the unseen. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You guys, it is a pleasure. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.